0: You know, when I think about um, Independence Day, you know, we're probably going to go see fireworks. We're probably going to have a picnic. People are going to be making hot dogs and doing all that kind of stuff. When I was younger, um, my folks really uh, paid attention to a lot of those kinds of things. And as I have gotten on in years, I realized that the 4th of July is not just a a party about hanging out with friends and going to the lake or uh, going out on a boat or running around or doing those kinds of things. It's really about... Uh, what our forefathers had done for us that we might have freedom. The uh, Independence Day that we celebrate is our independence. It's freedom from England. And as I shared a moment ago, when those fellows signed that document, uh, they signed pretty much their life away. Uh, they knew that that was treason. And so there are a group of men who knew that we needed to have freedoms. Now the freedoms that we have in the United States, uh, we have our Constitution. Uh, we have uh, our Bill of Rights. We have a lot of things that have been given to us and liberties that we have. If you've traveled abroad at all, you realize that this is not what all other countries are like. They're just not. And, and so we have something very special here in the United States. And our independence in our country is not widely celebrated uh, as it should be. When I think about the uh, video that we just watched and you think about every day, our freedoms are being protected by someone. And so, you know, when I watch some people burn our flag, they get to do that because we have freedoms in the United States. And I realize somebody else is dying for it. But boy, we want to step on the one that's burning the flag, don't we? We want to let them have it. And and yet God uh, has allowed us to be in this country. And we have freedoms and liberties here that there is no other place in the world like it. And the lives that were sacrificed so that we may live in freedom. You know, when you think about it, sometimes that's costs families, and in some cases, it costs families their only begotten, the only child they may have had. And they've lost them in battle and, and have lost that child. And for many, this day is not just about hanging out and doing, you know cooking the hot dogs, but it's a time to really reflect and reflect on those freedoms. Uh, you know, I think something that ought to be done in the school all the time when I was little, uh, we had to memorize the opening to the, uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence. I don't know if you had to do that or not, Uh, But we had to memorize that, and then we had a class on all the amendments found in the Constitution of the United States. And we got schooled on that, and we had to read about our amendments, and so we had to understand our Constitution. And a lot of that's going away today, and uh, you have a a nation that's talking about becoming socialist. If people understood what socialism really was, they would run from it, and uh, they don't understand what freedoms we really have. You get in your car, and you decide you're going to take a vacation in the United States, you can go anywhere in the United States that you want. You don't have to have a passport, and you don't have to get approval from anybody to jump in your car. If I decide this afternoon, I'm getting in my car. And by the way, I've never been to Alaska. I want to go to Alaska. So, but I want to go to Alaska. And and brother Dan, if I get in my car today, and as long as I have enough money to get there, and I can put fuel in the car and get from here to there, I can go to Alaska. And, And the thing of it is, is that's freedom. There are countries, you don't get to travel through those countries like that. You don't get to just take off and go wherever you want, whenever you want, as often as you want, whenever you feel like doing it. It just doesn't happen. We have some freedoms. We have some liberties here. And freedom, by the way, folks, as you well know, is not free. It costs somebody something, didn't it? And so we can go all the way back, and you think about all the battles and all the wars that have been fought, and what was the purpose of it? The purpose of it is that we maintain freedom here in the United States, And we are free because someone else sacrificed for us. And so in the United States of America, we'd be able to live free. You know, and I I love our flag, and our flag is a symbol of freedom. Would you agree with that? It's a symbol of freedom. And and I look at our flag, and I think about our flag, and I respect our flag. And and I think we ought to respect our flag in the United States. And and we ought to have uh, that idea of when that's being held up and held on high. And by the way, that flag is for every person who is a legal citizen in the United States. That's what that flag's for. Amen? Amen? And so that's what it stands for, and it stands for freedom. I had somebody uh, write an article, and they said that the flag is offensive. Well, if it's that offensive, then why stay here? And I have another question. If the United States is so offensive, why is everybody trying to get in? If we're so offensive, why is everybody trying to get in? And the idea is, is that if we're just such a bad people and we're such a bad nation, why does everybody want to come here? Do you know why they want to come here? Because we're free, amen? And people paid a price for us to remain free. And and I look at this and I think about how our government was built upon the scriptures, the heritage of our country built upon the scriptures. And listen, they want to take that away. They want to make sure that that they remove that from our mind, remove it from our monuments, remove it from our thinking, remove it from our schools, remove it from our children's understanding that this nation was built upon the Scriptures. And we look at it and we can see, even in the crafting of the Constitution in the United States, you can see God's hand on Thomas Jefferson as he began to pen those words. And by the way, we have uh, freedom of religion in our nation, and there is to be a separation of church and state. And what the United States government has tried to make us think is separation of church and state means that a pastor can't be the president of the United States. That's a lie. Separation of church and state was not even in the Constitution of the United States. It was a letter written by Thomas Jefferson and in that letter, he said, what is to happen is, is that no government can dictate a religion to a people. Amen? Yeah. It has nothing to do with religious people being in politics. And the idea is, is that they want to say, well, we need to take politics out of our, or we need to take uh, Christ out of our schools, out of our nation, and out of all these things. And yet the reality is, is that's what our nation was built upon. And when you go in and you read the scriptures, a government that was built upon in this day, it should still function that way, amen? It should still function according to those truths, according to those Bill of Rights, according to that Constitution, according to that Declaration of Independence. That is how we ought to operate. And when people tell you that we need to revise it, and we need to change it, and we need to do things to it, stop listening to them and start looking at what we truly have in our nation, a place where people sacrifice a place where we have a constitution and our United States should function upon it, a place that was built upon the Scriptures. When you think about families and men and women that have sacrificed, we have our independence from any rule of a dictator. And I'm so glad I am not under a dictator, amen? I'm so glad we don't really live in a nation like some people want to make you think that we are in this nation. Listen, we are as free as you can imagine. This afternoon, if you want to go to Burger King, you get to do so. If you want to go to McDonald's, you can do so. Now, you can go to either of those choke and pukes. I'm going to go home and eat a real hamburger, amen? And the thing of it is, but you have a choice, don't you? You know, a lot of places in the world, they have no choices. (laughs) It's just whatever's available. You know, when I walk into Kroger's or I walk into uh, Wagner's or I walk into these grocery stores and I look at all the food that we have on the shelves and the choices that we have. I mean, we got so many choices now, we don't even know how to make a choice. But I just want to share with you, that there's only one ketchup, it's Heinz, so don't buy anything else. Amen? So there's choices all over the place. And we have so many choices, don't we? And, and the thing of it is, is I was in Honduras and I walked into the store and whatever they had is what you bought. <laughs> whatever they had is what you bought. You didn't get to go in and choose. <laughs> whatever was available is what you got. You didn't go in and have the kids go, Ew, I don't like frosted flakes. If frosted flakes is what they had, that's what you were getting that day. Hey, man. And you go into Kroger's, or you go into Walmart, how many cereals are on the show? I mean, they got a cereal aisle. Are you with me? And you walk down that aisle, and you know, they've got everything from Cocoa Puffs to, uh, to, 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 the, to the what's his name, Count Chocula, to. Frankenberry to whatever you want, man, and there's so many things that you have to choose from. It's crazy where we live, isn't it? No matter what you are, whether you're a Ford man like me or a junk driver like Jim, uh, you can have whatever car you want. I, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry, brother. He had me follow him yesterday just in case he broke down. I had the Ford. He had the, what do you call that thing you got? Uh, junk. Junk. <laughs> He said, follow me. I might break down. I said, praise the Lord. No. <laughs> Just teasing. But whatever we want. When you think about this, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Amen? We're free. We're free to do what I'm doing this morning. We're free. You go to China, they're not always free to do what we're doing right now. You go some places, and they'll, they'll, they'll take you to jail for opening up the Scriptures. When I look at this, this amendment is for the freedom of men while we reside here. But what about eternal freedom? Eternal freedom. (laughs) You know, there was a day on October 12, 1995, I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. That day, that soldier gave me eternal freedom. (laughs) I have eternal life now. And I want to challenge you, when you look at Abraham, and I want you to think about Abraham, and I want you to think of this in light of men and women who have sacrificed their only child sometimes. It's not like they had five boys, and even if they did, if they had one sacrifice, that's sad, isn't it, for the sake of our freedoms? But even if it was just their only child, and they went off the war and never returned, that's tough, isn't it? And I want to challenge us in our thoughts this morning, Do you see the sacrifice God has made for our eternal freedom? I want you to see the sacrifice God has made for our eternal freedom this morning. Now, Abraham is a beautiful picture of what happened. And him and his son Isaac, God just did a wonderful thing there. Before we get into that, I want you to turn to Genesis with me. Keep your finger there in Hebrews. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 22 with me. And I want to read something to you this morning. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read 13 verses to you, so I want you to hang in there. Don't let your mind wander. Stay focused upon the word for just a moment. We're in, in verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now that word tempt is not that he did to tempt him. He was testing him is the word that we would use there. TEMPT ABRAHAM, AND SAID UNTO HIM, ABRAHAM, AND HE SAID, BEHOLD, HERE I AM. AND HE SAID, TAKE NOW THY SON, THINE ONLY SON, ISAAC, WHOM THOU LOVEST, AND GET THEE INTO THE LAND OF MORIAH, AND OFFER HIM THERE FOR A BURNT OFFERING UPON ONE OF THE MOUNTAINS, WHICH I WILL TELL THEE OF. AND ABRAHAM ROSE UP EARLY IN THE MORNING, AND saddled HIS ASS, AND TOOK TWO OF HIS YOUNG MEN WITH HIM, AND ISAAC HIS SON, AND clave THE WOOD FOR THE BURNT OFFERING and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. That took faith right there. (laughs) He said, We will come again to you, right? He's saying, We'll be back. I want you to get a hold of this. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, I want you to underline this in your Bible. God will provide. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is to said this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Boy, what a day. Can you imagine any of you in here getting the call from God that you have to sacrifice your only son? <laughs> now, you know what this is a picture of. It's not hard to figure out, is it? When you see him take Ab- uh, Abraham take Isaac up to the mount, this is the same thing. God's going to give his only begotten son, isn't he? And he wanted to see the faith of Abraham, and Abraham was faithful to him. You notice that he tells Isaac, listen, God will provide, won't he? God will provide the sacrifice. So I want you to understand something, too. Abraham had to believe that God would even raise Isaac from the dead. Do you know why? He made a promise to him a long time ago, and he said, thy seed shall come through thy son, Isaac. So if God's going to allow him to be taken, (laughs) how's that going to occur? So Abraham had to go up there by faith, even believe that God could raise Isaac up out of the grave. And so what we see here is a true picture tested, Abraham tested by God. And God proved his love toward us in that he sent his only begotten son, didn't he? And when he sent his only begotten son into the world, he sacrificed his son, didn't he? He sacrificed his son that we might have eternal freedom. Now, as I share this with you, James says in 2.21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? You know, folks, this was a severe test. I don't know how many of you could have gone through it. I know I don't know that I could have. I've got two boys, and if God said, Listen, you choose, or you pick one, how would you do that? Or even if I only had one, how would you do that? And yet, Abraham showed faith in God, taking that child. Now, here's what I want to connect this to. Can you imagine a mother or a father allowing their only son to go off onto a foreign land to fight for our freedom. That's pretty tough, isn't it? And you don't know whether they're coming back or not. You have no idea whether that's going to occur. But do you know in the United States that happened during World War I and during World War II, a lot of that took place. And there were men who sacrificed and women who sacrificed their lives that we might have the freedoms that we have today. You know, there's not a lot of teaching on World War I and II and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and, and what took place in Desert Storm and all those things that took place in our nation. You see, they're kind of letting that fade into the background because all of those fights, all of those fights were that freedom, democracy, would rule, <laughs> And so, you look back on this, and they want to let it go. And I look at Abraham. Abraham had to have faith in God because the promise was through Isaac, not through him. Therefore, Abraham had to trust God's Word. He had to put his hands in the Creator. It's the same thing that Jesus Christ did when he was here on the earth. He put his hands in the Creator's hands. And and, and he gave his life. For us, and so he knew that God would raise him from the dead. When you see what Abraham did on the Mount, it's a picture of what was to come. Yet, God used Abraham to illustrate that it takes faith in God's Word, and He showed that it took faith because this man was about to make a sacrifice, and God was using it for you and for me and for others that picked up the scriptures to talk about a coming Messiah that was going to give His life for them. God will provide, is what it says, and God did provide. Now, as we look at this, this should cause our heart to be thankful, and we ought to think about this. This phrase, His only begotten Son, do you realize that's only used in the Scriptures three times? John 3, 16. If I say that, most of you know it, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His, what? Only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's used here in Hebrews, but it's not about Jesus, but it is a picture of what Christ did, isn't it? And then in 1 John 4, 9, it comes up again. And whenever you look at 1 John 4, 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So by the sacrifice, by this picture, we see Abraham, his faith, and showing even those who read the Old Testament at the time that God would provide a sacrifice. These families are a living picture of what it costs freedom when you looked at those pictures on the screen i hope it impacted your heart to some degree those are real people they really lived and they sacrificed that we might have what we have today the very freedoms that we have is because of what they gave and you know it goes all the way back and we can go all the way back when you see a picture of george washington understand he made sacrifices didn't he men's lives were sacrificed that we might have what we have today you know, you can go all the way to all the wars and you can begin to see the sacrifices that were made that we might maintain freedom. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5 with me, if you will. Romans chapter 5. I have a few verses I want to read to you. And as we look at this and we think about what Christ did on the cross for us, he sacrificed that we might live. God's picture is a demonstration or a show of his love for us. Turn to Romans chapter 5. And if you would, I want you to look with me at verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. Now think about this thought for just a moment. If you're with me, say amen. amen. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Did you hear that? For scarcely for a righteous man will one what? Die. Some people won't even die for a righteous man. For someone who is a good person, some will not die. Notice what it says. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. You know, they wouldn't even maybe think about it. But God, isn't that wonderful? Don't you like that phrase when he says, but God? You see, there's a lot of people that wouldn't die for even a good person. But God. Isn't that wonderful? There's a difference in thinking there, isn't there? There's a change in thinking. He said, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. I'm listening. Jesus died for me and you, didn't he? He showed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, when you look at this, it says this as you go on, uh, and you see this much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know if that if that means this one thing? Listen to me, folks. We're going to wake up this morning. Listen to me. That means that the wrath that's coming during the time of revelation, if you are saved, that's not in your life. Amen? Amen. It's gone. Hell is not your home. That's wrath of God. That is not going to be your place, but you have to know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You need to know him, and the wrath of God is taken away. Now, what did Abraham do? He obeyed God. He went up to the mount. He took his son up there. He was about to sacrifice him. And listen to me, Brother Bill, that means everybody that read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they knew that God was going to provide a Messiah. That's what that meant. And whenever we read that in that passage, we know God was going to do something. And God pictured what he was going to do. He did not let Abraham sacrifice Isaac so that the nation of Israel could come through him so that the line of Jesus Christ would show up. Amen. And Jesus was born through that line. Amen. And God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. Right? Through who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's a powerful word. When we look at the scriptures, we see this wonderful picture, and you say, what's that all about? God's saying, hey, I told you a long time ago I was sending somebody. Amen. <laughs> Amen? I told you a long time ago I was sending somebody, and his name is Jesus. God's already paid that price for our eternal freedom. You know, we ought to be thankful for it. Chris, the other night when you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you, I, I didn't do I was about to do the happy dance on your table. <laughs> you have no idea how many people were praying for you, man. And we were just jumping up and down for joy. I mean, I, had to, I was ready to post it on Facebook other than the fact that I figured he might get mad at me. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. It's exciting when somebody gets saved, isn't it? Yeah. He's on his way to heaven because of Jesus Christ, amen? Yeah. And we look at what God has done. Abraham and Isaac is that picture for us from the past. God named Isaac for the nation and Christ for the world, though. Isn't that the truth? He named Isaac for the nation of Israel. He named Christ for the world. Now, what is it? Well, uh, the line of Christ was going to come through, Isaac. That's what that was about. (laughs) But the world was going to be saved through whom? Jesus Christ. (laughs) For God so loved the world. By the way, the world doesn't love Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So not everybody believes, do they? And so the love of God came down to man and manifested itself. God gave a call in the the past in Genesis 21, 12. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thine bondwoman in all that Sarah has said unto thee. Hearken unto her voice, for Isaac shall thy seed be called. Amen. But he wasn't talking about Isaac, was he? Not at all, folks. And when you read your Bible, you find out he wasn't even talking about Isaac. But that's where the seed was coming from. Amen? Amen. That's where it was coming from. This is such an amazing verse. For this was not just about the people of Abraham's time, but about the line of Christ. And God used the life of Isaac to bring forth a nation of Israel. And to this day, the roots of the nation of Israel are founded in Isaac and Abraham. The call was not just to the forefathers of the nation, but the seed was truly in Christ Jesus, whom came from the line of Abraham. In Matthew, I love uh, listen to me. I told you the other night when I was preaching, I said, Man, sometimes when you read them genealogies, it's one of these, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Trying to keep your head up. And then even trying to pronounce some of them names. You should have seen the one I had this morning. Hashaph for the rise bonds and I. I was like, yeah, really? I thought, where did that name come from? Can you imagine a mom saying, Oh yeah, just after birthing that child, we're gonna name him this. That must have been pain in birth. I'm not sure, but maybe that's what it meant. <laughs> But good night. It was like a name across the page. It didn't. Even, I was like, it's just one name. And you look at this, and you see this amazing Jesus Christ. These genealogies in Matthew. This is why Matthew is so important to us. That's why the book of Matthew is so important. Here's what it says in Matthew one: the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Amen. That's why it's important. Amen. Matthew one: the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. It says, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob. Amen? That's why we need it. That's why those genealogies are in there. That's the way God said, I want you to trace where my son came from. Amen? That's why it's so important. <laughs> you see, Isaac wasn't the seed, <laughs> the seed was going to come through that, isn't it? It's amazing. And God's word just so connected. That's why these genealogies in the Old and New Testament are so important. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, and in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. (laughs) And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) God takes us all the way back and says, hey, listen, I've been grafted in. I'm grafted in because I get to be a part of all of that because of what Jesus did for me. And I get grafted in. I'm a part of the plant now, amen? I'm a part of the vine. And you look at this and you see this, then just says. The nation of Israel is not saved and on their way to heaven, by the way. And I don't want you to believe this for a moment. And anybody that tells you this, all Jews are not on their way to heaven. Jews have to trust Jesus Christ as Savior just like you and I do. Amen? Amen. They have to. And you say, well, aren't they God's chosen people? Yeah, they were chosen to put forth the word of God so that people would know that the Messiah was coming and everything that God did, he did it so that it would point to Jesus Christ. All those sacrifices were about Jesus. The temple, the tabernacle, all of those things were about Jesus Christ. And Jesus even told the Pharisees, have you not read? Don't you understand? Don't you see what I'm telling you? And by the way, if you've read it, it's all about me. Not me, him. (laughs) And it's all about him. If you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus Christ (laughs) from start to finish. And you say, genealogies? Yeah, the genealogies. (laughs) And they're important because of the line of Christ and where he comes from. And so when you read your Bible, don't let your mind just pass over it. See the truth. You see, every man and woman who's lost their life on the battlefield lost it for earthly freedoms. And I am so grateful I'm free. Amen? I'm free in the United States. Jesus died for our eternal freedom. That's why you need to know Him as Savior. You need to know for sure if you died that heaven's your home. And it only comes through Christ Jesus. You know, the call today from God to every believer is found in Peter. He said in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Would you agree? you say amen there, you can just, I'll get you a pillow here in a minute. (laughs) Amen. God's not slack concerning his promise. He made a promise, didn't he? Guess who's going to keep his promise? God's going to keep his promise. Now listen, what is the promise? This should make us pretty charged up as soldiers, amen? We should be ready to forge ahead. That's about what I'm about to tell you. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but as suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, I know my brothers went in the military. One of the creeds is you never leave a man, what? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, say it again. You never leave a man? Uh We ought to have that same creed as a Christian. Every person you meet, at some point, you ought to confront them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That none should perish, but all should come to what? No man left behind. It should cause us to be energized in our hearts. Amen. God's called Isaac. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Abraham, I'm going to take him up there. I'm going to use him as a picture of what's going to take place. And by the way, Abraham, the seed's not coming through you. It's coming through your son. But it's not him. It is not the nation of Israel. It is Jesus Christ. Amen. And then the charge to you and to me today is, let's get the message out. When you think about All those military people that that have gone to foreign fields and fought on our behalf, the creed was don't leave any man behind. You say, well, maybe they've already died. They still picked up the bodies and brought them forth as they could. (laughs) And the challenge to you and me is we shouldn't want to leave anybody behind. God has already paid the price, hasn't he? And man's eternal freedom is what lies in the balance. And we ought to have it in our heart for God named Isaac for the nation of Israel and Christ for the world. <laughs> Lastly, I want you to see this, and this is so powerful. God's power to raise up a nation, but God's power to raise up the dead, amen? <laughs> and we see it in the Scriptures. It's so wonderful, folks. And by the way, this is just three passages of Scripture. This is just in Hebrews. <laughs> and you look at this and you see the power of God. Look at verse 19 in Hebrews chapter 11, accounting that God was able to raise him up, <laughs> What was he counting on? If he was accounting, he was reconciling in his mind what God was going to do, right? So even if he had to give his only begotten son, he had already accounting, accounting, reconciled in his mind, are you with me? It's going, you reconcile your account, accounting, you're putting your numbers together, make sure they add up at the end. And what happened? Abraham had already accounted that God would raise him up. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know we ought to have that in our hearts as believers? we ought to understand that God is going to raise us up from that grave one day, amen? God is able to do this for us. When I look to the scriptures, it says right here, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Hey, listen, it was a picture of what was to come, and he said, this is what I'm going to do, Abraham, and it's not your son I will provide. And over in the thickets there was a ram, but I want you to know the Lamb of God was slain for you and me. That's what happened. God provided, didn't he? Amen. And he provided us that beautiful lamb, that spotless lamb of God. The faith of Abraham required him to believe that God would be able to raise up Isaac. For you and me, it's a little different today. This was a picture of things yet to come. And when a man or a woman trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, in Romans ten nine it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Well, you know what we're believing? We're believing God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus ain't dead, folks. (laughs) He is sitting on the right hand of the Father, amen? On the majesty on high. He's in heaven. (laughs) He's overseeing all those that have trusted him now. You know, he's looking forward to it. You know, I was talking about how many of you see those where the parents with their open arms and those little kids come running to their daddy? Isn't that something? Do you know I almost feel like that, Miss Carol? Man, when I get to heaven and there he is, I don't know, I feel like I just want to run into his arms. Amen. I feel like that every day. Are you with me, Chris? I feel like I just want to go run into him and say, man, hey, come here. You know, you feel like a little kid, don't you, Daryl? You just want to run to him, man. And you realize, man, the pain and the sorrows and the glasses and the heartaches and the knee aches and all the things that go along with it, amen, they're gone. <laughs> no more taxes, Jim. Amen. amen. No more Pontiac G6s. That's the inside joke, Bill. I'll give it to you later, man. <laughs> the thing of it is, is that the pain of this life should not hold us down. We should be excited. Amen? Now, as I share this with you, I want you to turn to First Thessalonians. and I want you to see this because Jesus Christ was our ram in the thickets. You realize that, right? He was our ram in the thickets. He, he was over there. He, he was the one who died for us. He went to the grave for us, and soldiers of Christ ought to spread the news of the Bible. <laughs> you know, we've won the eternal freedom. We've won the eternal battle, haven't we, through Jesus Christ. It's been won. And now we want to leave nobody behind. <laughs> that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Christ had to trust the Lord, his God, to raise him from the dead. And you know what, folks, listen to me. If you're saved today, even if Pastor dies tomorrow, and, and, and my physical body is laying up here, I am with Christ. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. You know, any of you that remain... You know, it's sad because we, we part ways with people, don't we? And, and we're away from them for a while. But if they're saved, we know we're going to catch up with them again. Amen. Only well, it's going to be forever. <laughs> and I get excited about it. I think, man, Brother Darrell, I haven't seen my grandmother physically in years. Man, I can't wait to get up there and see Edith. She was only four foot ten. I hope she's forgiven me for everything I've ever done, you know what I mean? I don't want to get in hold of my ear again. <laughs> but heaven is real, folks hell is just as real. Hell is a real place. And you say, why would God send anybody to an eternal hell? He doesn't. Man has a choice. Just like we have freedoms here in the United States, God's given a man a choice. And they choose whether they want to go to heaven or not. And you say, well, how do they choose? Well, they choose to trust what Jesus Christ did for them and they choose not to. And, And, you know, I was on the way over and Emily asked me a question this morning. I like talking to her in the car in the morning. We're coming over and she goes, so, Dad, what do you think the ratio is of people in church and out of church this morning? (laughs) And as we're riding by, I watched the guy on a motorcycle. I saw a guy out there, he was fishing. Uh, I saw some guy loading up his Sea-Dews. I thought, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know the answer, Chris. She said, do you think there are more people in church or out of church this morning? Let's preach, Amen. So as we get here and we look at this in 1st Thessalonians, everybody with me? I'm not there yet. I got to read this to you. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. We'll start there. So whether my body's laying here or not, I'm in heaven. Uh, With God, if I die even today at this moment, I know my soul's with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, there's 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 joy in that for me. God was trying to demonstrate to the nation of Israel, I'm going to provide you a Messiah. You know, those people, Brother Chris, had those scriptures later on. They had those first five books of the Bible. They knew God had done that with Abraham. They knew He had done it with Isaac. And, and what it was, it was prophetic. It was telling them something yet future. I'm going to provide you a sacrifice. I'm going to provide you a way. He said, I'm going to give it to you. And the thing of it is, is that think about what he would say to the Pharisees. Have you not what? Read. He wanted them to read. Have you not read what the Bible says? Did you not know that I was coming? And what did they do? <laughs> they hung him on a cross. He was sacrificed for our sin. Now, those of you that are here this morning, that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, this is one of those things where we want to get a little bit of a hallelujah shouting thing going on because you read First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> man, I'd like to be here when that happens. <laughs> Amen. Let's go look at what it says. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13 with me. He says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Here's the thing. If you're here this morning, you know Jesus Christ is Savior, You have hope. You have the hope. It's not a, a hope so. I have that blessed hope. I know heaven is my home. And notice that he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to be aware of this. That word asleep is the word death in the scriptures. That means that those that are asleep, those that are dead, for if we believe that Jesus died, look at verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which uh, sleep in Jesus, will God bring what? So if someone is saved and they have physically died, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And what will happen one day is God is going to unite our Uh, soul, with our spiritual body and they're going to come together again. You say, how's that all going to happen? I don't know, but I can't wait. (laughs) I don't know. I just know what he's telling me. And he says this in the scriptures and he says uh, then here in in, uh, chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 14, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Here's what God said to me. He said, all of us that are sitting here right now, okay, all of those that have already died and they've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Their physical body may be in the ground, but one day God's going to unite those things. And he said this, we're not going to prevent them. In other words, we're not going to go before they come up out of the grave. (laughs) I cannot imagine the news broadcast that day. CNN's going to go nuts. They ain't gonna know what to say. Bodies came up out of the grave today. We believe aliens have come and the (laughs) UFOs, you know, have come over top of the graves and listen. I mean, what are they gonna say? Well, Bill, they're gonna go nuts. Unsaved man is gonna go crazy. They're not gonna know what's happening. They're gonna see something, and God's gonna allow them to be privy to all of this. And they're gonna wonder what's going on. But listen, you and I, listen to this. (laughs) He said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen? What's going to happen? The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Here we go. You ready? It's going to be better than King's Island, man. (laughs) Because what he says next is amazing. He said then in verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain... That's like if it were to happen right now, folks, if it were to happen right now, we're the ones that remain. Are you with me? We're alive. We remain right now. Listen to this. He said in verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall ye ever be with the, what? Woo. We sing that song, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see when I look upon his face. You know, you think about what's going to happen that day. You say, Preacher, is this real? Well, last time I read it, it was, amen? Last thousand times I read it, Chris, it's been right. (laughs) It's coming, folks. And boy, we're so busy about life, aren't we? And we're not really thinking about the eternal freedom. But you know that eternal freedom, he told us to do something for each other. Look at verse 18. He said, do this for one another. He says in verse 18, Wherefore, do something for one another. What are we to do? Comfort one another with these words. (laughs) Amen? Today, Pastor just wants to be a comfort to you. If you have a lost loved one that was saved, you're going to be united with them again. Amen? You're going to be united with them again. If they know Jesus Christ as Savior, listen, you don't have to worry. (laughs) You'll be with them again. Here's the challenge for you. Do you know if you died today that heaven's your home? Do you know if you died today that you would go to heaven? Do you remember a time where you prayed and you asked Jesus Christ to save you and take your soul to heaven when you die? Man, Craig, I'm telling you, October 12, 1995, it never left my mind. That day I sat at that table and that man asked me if I was to die today that I know for sure if I'd go to heaven. I knew I was on my way to hell. But before I walked out of that room, Chris, I knew I was on my way to heaven. I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to save me, Jimmy. And I've never looked back. Now I never I've never planned on being a pastor. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is I know whether I were a pastor or not a pastor, I'm going to tell you this I know I'm on my way to heaven. <laughs> and boy, I can't wait to see my grandma Edith. I know she's there. I know she believed in Jesus Christ. I know what she taught me when I was growing up, and man, I can't wait to be united with her. But you know, beyond that, Miss Connie, I cannot wait to see Jesus. That's going to be amazing, Elizabeth. We'll get to look him right in the face, Jack. (laughs) The one who died for me, Jim. Glory, what a day that'll be, huh? (laughs) When my Jesus I will see. When I look upon his face... Oh, man, what a day that'll be. His only begotten, what was that for us? Well, a picture the call. Well, God called the seed to come through Isaac, but he called Jesus to sacrifice himself for our sin. What is God going to do? Well, just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he has the power He has the ability to raise you and me. Let's pray.